Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, Jody. How is it going? Alini, I am almost leaving for vacation. Not packed, but like close to packed. <laughs> so um, my last day before a week-long break where I will not be checking emails and I'll be on a different time zone. So I am excited, although this week was like a sprint to get so much done. So I am kind of really ready for a little break. Oh, I'm so excited for you. It's nice when you have something that's so far away, you'll have to tell us where you're going, but it's nice when you have something that's so removed from the work world that you actually can stay out of your email and take a true vacation. Where are you headed? We are going to Paris with the kids. And David and I have been there a bunch of times. I used to work for a French beauty company, Luxitan and Provence. So I got to go to Paris and other parts of France pretty often, which is very cool. And I think I didn't appreciate how awesome that was at the time because <laughs> I was a bratty 20 or something year old. But the kids have never been there and I have a tween and a teen. And actually my tween is turning teen when we're there. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to do five days in Paris. And then we're going to do, of course, two days at Disneyland Paris. Amazing. So on brand for the Katz family. <laughs> I have to send you the most amazing boulangerie. It is something I dream about and I will go back there as often as I can in my life. Have so much fun. But let's talk a little bit about our episode for today. We have Comel Caruso, the co-founder and chief growth officer of Her MD. Okay. So Comel is, I'll call her friend of the agency. We adore her. We've just actually spent like a really amazing night with her. Melanie and I were at the Melanoma Research Foundation Gala and Comel was one of our dates and we had so much fun together. And it was such a great night to raise money for an important cause and hear about all the innovation in melanoma research. Yeah, I love this event. We've gone for the past few years and you really hear so many inspiring stories and meet so many people who are there bringing people together and raising money for a great cause. And it was really special for us this year. We had so many friends at our table and Comel being one of them. So tell me more about what she talks about in this episode. Oh my God. What Comel is doing at her MD is really next level. She and her sister, her sister is an OBGYN. They're growing her MD to be like the new way, the new standard of care for women's health. I admire what they're doing so much. Basically, they're like rewriting the rules on how physicians can take care of their patients and what patients should expect. And I'm like really amazed because this is hard work. This is, you know, we're talking about like, you know, how do they run a business where they can spend 60 minutes with a patient and still make money, right? It's like very counter to the way that the, the industry works now and um, how pressed for time doctors are and how many patients they have to see in a day just to make ends meet. So it's a huge Herculean task and they're up for it and they're going to do it. And I got to go to the opening of her New Jersey location a few weeks ago and it's packed. It was a packed room with like so many other leaders in women's healthcare. So it's incredible to see the whole community coming together around her MD to um, help them bring it to life. I love it. It's amazing. I loved hearing about this from Comel too. She just talks about it with such a passion. And I related to it a little bit. My sister is a pediatrician and I lived with her during her residency. And we always talked about how someday like I would do the business side of things and rework the whole residency experience. And Amelia could be my sister Amelia could be the the healthcare side of it. So I love this sister journey and this sister business moment. Women's health is really an area that we get into a lot at Base Beauty, and I feel really lucky to be part of that conversation. 
Oh my God. We love working with these brands and bringing attention to topics that really have been taboo or ignored. We are so thrilled and honored to help launch Pause While Aging, which is a menopause-focused skincare brand. And we did an amazing job, I have to say, of doing Mm -hmm. that. That was incredible. One of our favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, We work with Femi Clear, which is this really fascinating brand that goes head-to-head with all those drugstore brands you know for vaginal health, except they do it with ingredients that you'd actually want to put inside of you. So we're really proud of all that work. And I can't wait to see more brands like HerMD enter the space to really break through and change the way we do business as women. I love it. Definitely more to come on this in 2024. Let's for now get to hear more about Kamel's journey. This is episode 245 with Kamel Caruso. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. We are a career journey podcast talking about what it's like to define success and reach for it in the beauty and wellness industries. Today, we are continuing our health innovations theme quarter with Komel Caruso, co-founder and chief growth officer of HerMD. She is a women's health advocate talking about all things sexual health, menopause, and comprehensive women's health care. I'm excited to dive into the conversation about her career journey from education tech to healthcare you deserve, all on episode 245. Hi, Komel. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Hi. It's so good to be here. I did not realize it was 245. That's amazing. It's a lot of episodes. I love it. (laughs) Yes, I love that. I keep going with the show because it's free coaching and free therapy for me. (laughs) Which is always really good. We could always use therapy and coaching. Yes. I I have a coach and I love her dearly. So um, this is a career journey show. So what we love to do is start Mm -hmm. at the very, very beginning, right? When we're kids, we all have fantasies about, you know, what career we're going to have when we grow up. So think back to your 11-year-old self. What do you want to be when you grow up? So I was really specific in what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a pediatric cardiologist. Like that was exactly what I wanted to do, which I don't know I don't exactly know why, but that is what I wanted to do. So did you pursue medical school? I did not pursue medical school. I did enter into college pre-med. I took a lot of AP math and science courses in high school. And I said, you know, that's what I'm going to do. My older sister was in medical school at the time when I went into college as an undergrad. But about a year into pre-med, I dropped and said, this is not this is not for me. I'm good at science, not that good. (laughs) This is interesting because I did a show with Ron Robinson. He's a cosmetic chemist. And he said his mom wanted him to be a doctor. And he Mm -hmm. started his first year of medical school. And he's like, no. (laughs) And his brothers became doctors, just like your sister's a doctor, but it wasn't for him. So this is a theme today. And Mm -hmm. it's very appropriate considering this is our health theme quarter. So, you know, we met through LinkedIn, which is so cool. Um, And I'm always grateful for people who, you know, are willing to make connections. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of spam and junk and LinkedIn, but Mm -hmm. I keep trying because sometimes like that's how you meet people. So thank you for responding to my LinkedIn note so we can get to know each other. Oh yeah, of course. I love LinkedIn. Yes, there there can be spam, but I have found very meaningful connections on LinkedIn. I've found team members on LinkedIn. Um, and I've stayed connected with past colleagues who have connected me, et cetera, on LinkedIn. So I love it as a platform. Okay. So let's talk about this journey. Um, Cause I want to spend yes. most of our time talking about women's health, but you mm-hmm. didn't go to medical school. Your sister no. did that check mark on mm-hmm. for her. Um, <laughs> yes. What did you think you, you would like, where do you think you would land once you walked away from the pre-med track? 
I honestly had no idea. I had a lot of different interests. I was taking psychology and a lot of courses there and really enjoyed that. And that was my major actually as an undergrad. So I thought perhaps I would be a psychologist or a therapist and still kind of stay in that health and wellness industry, of course. And then what happened was I had a part-time job in college as an undergrad teaching the SAT and ACT, which was a really good gig. Um, I enjoyed teaching. I enjoyed helping students. And it paid well compared to a lot of the other part-time jobs you can have as an undergrad. And so I ended up working at Kaplan as a teacher for SAT and ACT. And post-college, there was a full-time position open at Kaplan for business development or field marketing, which I really didn't know too much about at that time, but it was an entry-level position. I loved the company, loved the people, and so that is what I ended up doing. So for how many years did you spend in this education space? I was in the ed tech space and education space up until the end of 2019, and I graduated college in 2003. So I was in that space for 16 years, and I have to say I do love the education industry. I have a lot of respect for Kaplan. I will get it. I learned an incredible amount there, but test prep and admissions didn't seem like my calling in life, I will say. And so I was definitely looking as I got older for something that I felt was my calling. So when did you hear that message? You know, starting at around 2018, 19, you know, I was like 15 years into my career I had done a lot of different jobs at Kaplan and other education-based industries. Um, Story 2 and Apple Ruth had a lot of amazing mentors. I worked on inside sales teams, outside sales teams, did business development, ran business development teams, customer experience. Um, I was obviously an educator there as well. And I also ran marketing, um, ran content, ran live online events. And I had really done what I felt was done at all or done a lot, right? I was exposed to a lot of different um, positions and roles within the industry. And I said, you know, I really want to take everything I have learned and take it somewhere else and make an impact. And I was very interested in women's health and wellness. Um, As we said, my sister is a board certified OBGYN. And while I was working full time, I was helping her on the side with what is the original her MD location, just helping with business development, email marketing, social media, etc. Because a lot of doctor's offices at that point, it was one standalone practice, didn't have someone who was experienced in marketing or business development or promotional strategy. And so once I started helping her for a few years, I really thought I wanted to go into that industry. So I got the opportunity to meet your sister and hear Mm -hmm. her very strong point of view at the opening of your HerMD location in New Jersey. And I mm-hmm. was literally blown away by what she had to say. And I, w- I wish I had like a printout of her speech because <laughs> it was like the most clear, concise, mm-hmm. emotive and relevant expression of what mm-hmm. we deserve as women. 
and why we weren't getting it until you chose to deliver it. Mm -hmm. Can you just like kind of summarize this um, point of view for us? Because I I do find it so meaningful. Yes, of course. And so you know, the, the founding of HerMD is rooted in something extremely, extremely personal. Um, and, you know, Somi was pre-med at the time and I was in high school. And our mother, who is alive and well to this day, uh, was 45 years old. So smack dab in the middle of how old Somi and I are now, which is very young. I mean, when I was young, that seemed old. At the time, 45, I'm like, oh, wow, that's old. It's not old at all. You know, she had gone to the doctor repeatedly. We grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, We had insurance and those things are important. Um, And she was repeatedly dismissed. She presented with left arm pain, chest pain, shortness of breath. I mean, everyone would say, okay, that's probably her heart. Mm -hmm. An extremely, extremely strong family history of cardiovascular disease. And she was sent home repeatedly. And the providers told her, you know, we can bet our life savings actually is what one of the providers said that is not your mother's heart. And she was rushed emergently to the hospital one day. I was in high school. I got called down, you know, to the office and she had emergent quadruple bypass surgery at 45. Um, she was thin, non-smoking, you know, d- didn't drink. So science at the time just couldn't explain why this thin 45 year old, otherwise healthy woman would ever present with four vessel disease and her left anterior descending artery was blocked 98%. So that's a major artery to the heart and she would have died had that heart attack come. And so we were, she was robbed of time. She didn't see her children, her three children before she went into this major surgery and we didn't get to see our mother. And so that was really an aha moment for Somi that she wanted to go into women's healthcare because we are dismissed. Um, we're dismissed up until this day. And so she wanted to become an advocate for women to make sure we're not dismissed and we're not seen as what we say invisible patients. And so, yeah, so that was the founding story. And, you know, it's really unfortunate. We're still mis or underrepresented in three out of every four research trials. And um, up until about 30 some odd years ago, we weren't even included in research trials, medical research trials. So it's pretty astounding how broken this healthcare system is for women. So when um, Somi came to you and said, hey, can you help me on the side with my local practice? Was the vision to change the way women's healthcare operates or was it something that was um, developed over time as you started to learn more about what's going on in in the medical world? Sure. So she practiced for about 15 years before she opened the doors to the first practice. And so I say she did 15 years of field research. Mm-hmm. She was, you know, talking to thousands and thousands of women every single day and saw just how little she was actually able to advocate for them and what little time she was able to give them. I mean, eight to 10 minute appointments. Uh, is just simply not enough. And she was hearing a lot of her patients talk about sexual health and wellness and perimenopause and menopause, but she didn't have the time to really address those complex issues in eight to 10 minutes. It just seemed impossible to her. So she knew at the get-go that she was going to open a practice that focused on menopause, sexual health care, this big gap and void that was in the industry and give not only patients time, but providers time. Because 
she was burnt out seeing 40 to 50 patients a day. And so when I joined, you know, my mission was to help spread that word that this type of healthcare is available. And this is what we, you know, deserve. We deserve time. We deserve experts who really specialize in these fields because we're often forgotten after we have babies, if we choose to have babies. And so it's like, what now? Right. So when you started working with Somi um, and -hmm. you saw like what the um, schedule book looked like, right? Like every 10 minutes is a new patient. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you asked like why, right? Like (laughs) why you only get 10 minutes. So what was the answer? Yeah. So when Somi opened, she actually eradicated the 10 minute appointment because she knew that was such a big barrier. So she started with 20 to 60 minute appointments, all within an insurance-based system. Um, But I did want to understand, because when she approached me and said, can you help me? And of course I wanted to help her, I was her sister. I had no experience in the health industry. I looked at her and was like, menopause care? Like, what is menopause care? Even myself, I was just so ignorant. Of, of menopause and even sexual health care. So she gave me a lot of education, but she told me, you know, the 10 minute appointments uh, is due to insurance reimbursements. You know, you have to kind of churn through patients to be able to collect, you know, as much as you can during the day from insurance revenue because reimbursements for GYN only are very low. We don't do obstetrics because we really want to focus on patients pre and post you know, baby, if patients choose to do so. So we've always started with those longer appointment times. So a traditional practice, the doctor mm-hmm. in the date book, it literally has 10 minute slots. Yes. So there are different appointment types. So there's, you know, annuals, follow-ups, OB, the majority of OBGYNs practice obstetrics. There's no GYN only residency. Uh, only 20% of OBGYNs are trained in menopause and sexual health care. of residents who graduate from an OBGYN residency don't feel comfortable treating menopausal patients. So you have to get extra training, which is what SOMI did, which is what all her MD providers do. So 100% of our providers are trained. Uh, But yes, you get 10 minutes with patients. Okay. You are in the world of um, education, education tech. You're helping yes. your sister as she's um, building something new and different. Are you seeing this as a career shift for you at this moment? You know, I did not see it as a career shift when I first started. I, I did simply see it as I'm going, I want to help my sister succeed. Um, I want to learn more about the health and wellness industry. You know, I was 30 five-ish at the time, maybe a little shy of 35, and had undergone my own recent health struggles with PCOS and, and infertility. And so it became something that was really important to me just to learn as well as to help my sister. But what started happening was really interesting and exciting. So I had worked and I had mentioned I did a lot of live online events and business development, which at Kaplan and other ed tech companies where we would host a lot of events and we would definitely get people to come to the events and and learn about admissions or you know the tests we did events at her md and we would have hundreds of women show up and it was really odd to me because i said you know i like my obgyn but it's very transactional right i go in get my get my annual you know, talk through, you know, a couple of things and I get my birth control prescription and I'm out the door. And that that's really it. Um, and it was like a once a year thing. Uh, and no one really took time to 
really inspire me or even, you know, get to know me so much as a patient. And I didn't expect more. That's what I thought was normal, right? That that was the status quo. And so when I learned more about her practice, and then I started coming to some of the events and seeing this fervor around her MD, which was so much of eight MD and associates at that time, and the love they had for the providers and the team there, I was like, this, this is different. This is very, very different. You have created something that is pretty incredible. I like my OBGYN, but I don't like, like if she had an event, I would not come. <laughs> like, I just wouldn't. And no offense to her, she was wonderful. But um, that is when I started to really think, you know, we have something here and patients are traveling from 35 states, multiple countries to access the care that we're providing. And so that is when I said, I think we need to open more. And I think, you know, I'm ready to leave my full-time job and and do this thing with you. You had customer patients in 35 states? Yes, which is incredible. And it wasn't like one-offs. Um, there are some, you know, they're not, as I mentioned, there's not a lot of providers who specialize in menopause and sexual health care. And there are a lot of different procedures and treatment options that we offer that a lot of providers are not trained in. And so a lot of it was word of mouth and spreading through chat groups on Facebook or Reddit. And so they would travel and because we take insurance. So the insurance reimbursements are low. And so a lot of sexual health and menopause providers at that time had gone concierge. And we have a medical spa, so we have aesthetics, which was, you know, a fast-growing industry, especially, you know, eight years ago, one of the fastest-growing industries. And so we added that into our practice for continuity of care and to also help supplement the medical care we were providing. Mm. And so because we have a medical spa, we're able to offer those services to our patients, which they love, Mm. and we're able to have those 20 to 60-minute appointments. Okay. So you see this like aha moment, the light bulb goes off. Yes. You've never run a medical company before, (laughs) but now you are. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I guess I'm wondering, like, you know, where did the confidence come from or the faith come from to say, Mm -hmm. I'm going to dig into this and invest my time in it and build something with my sister? It had to take a lot of those things, definitely. Um, And we had another co-founder, Kathy Lai. And so we've had a very nice triad, I would say. We called ourselves like the three-legged stool. And so we all had, you know, our different areas of expertise. Like Somi, obviously, clearly medical. Myself, you know, marketing, PR, content, et cetera. And Kathy came from a finance background and investment banking and M&A. So we knew the three of us had really great skills and really great areas of expertise. So, you know, we really trusted each other to be able to do that. The second is, you know, my spouse is a serial entrepreneur. And so I did understand fundraising, being an entrepreneur, starting a company, how tough it is. I'd worked at another startup prior to joining her MD uh, while I was not at Kaplan. And, you know, I, and this is my advice to a lot of people if you're in a job and it's not your calling, you can learn and soak up everything like a sponge. And when I was having all those different roles at Kaplan, I learned a ton. I had people who taught me a ton. I went to all the meetings I could, and I really soaked it up. And I thought to myself, you know, that is a service-based industry with markets and four-wall, like, 
testing centers, right? And teaching locations. And we had to fill seats in classrooms Mm -hmm. and we had a brand, but we had field marketing. And I said, I can transfer everything I learned there to another service industry, medicine. And I did have to learn a lot about menopause and sexual health care. But you know, I just said, this is the time. I'm so inspired. I'd never felt so inspired. And what inspired me is, yes, my sister and the team, but the patients. Um, and going to those events and hearing patients and how grateful they were to get information and to have access to the care that we provide, that's what I was like, we have to do this for all these women. They should not have to travel to Cincinnati, Ohio from Seattle and Florida and Canada and the UK to get the care we're providing. It's criminal. I love the parallels between mm-hmm. the education testing world and what mm-hmm. you're building with her MD. It didn't, you know, um, jump out at me, but once you like mm-hmm. drew all the lines, right, the, mm-hmm. the service is different, but everything else is really the same. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating about the parallel is at Kaplan, your job is literally to like educate your customers. And it's no different right. in the office, the way that you are approaching yes. healthcare, right? Really making sure that the patient mm-hmm. is educated and fulfilled with the experience. Yes, 100%. I mean, Education, advocacy, and empowerment are three main pillars. And without education, you know, we need to know our bodies. We need to know, we don't like the word normal because everyone's normal is different. And we all know our bodies better than anyone else. So if something doesn't feel right, that's what we say, not normal, but Mm -hmm. right, you need to know, you know, you need to know that sex shouldn't hurt. We all hear growing up, sex can be painful, but it, it should not be painful, And so, you know, period pain is like bad and, you know, you can bleed a lot, but like how much is a lot? You know, some women are bleeding way too much, but they don't know because they've just heard, oh, it hurts a lot. So that education is so key to knowing that, you know, we are the, we are the ones who know our bodies best. We know what to look out for. And these things that have been normalized by society are not necessarily normal, right? And so with that education, comes that empowerment to advocate for yourself and speak up. So it was really important to us that that education piece. I um, work with a team of mostly women at Base Beauty and um, several of them are around my age. So for many years, we've been Mm -hmm. like sort of tracking what's happening in the marketplace Mm -hmm. around the women's health topics that we were um, having our own private conversations about. Mm -hmm. And Robin, who you met on my team, she did this great research project where she tracked several different period care brands, um, leading brands, Mm -hmm. in all their communications to their customers, um, how many times they talk about like, like kind of real education around your period Mm -hmm. and like what's going on, um, what points in in, um, one's life were they addressing this? And what she found was like, you know, at the like kind of 11 year old mark, you get like a lot, a lot of education from these brands. Mm And then maybe once around the age of like the first postpartum period mm-hmm. and then never again, <laughs> like they never talk right. to you again. There's like no conversation. There is no like leveling up your understanding of what's going on in your body and how the products could help or, you know, why you might need to change um, your approach to using mm-hmm. products. And we plotted it on a chart and it was just like 
um, I don't remember how many periods you have in your whole life, but it was like a dot for every single period in your whole life. And we marked the two dots <laughs> when these brands are talking to you and helping guide yes. you. And it's a really sad looking chart. Um, but what I love yes. is that you're completely changing all those dots, right? Like you're activating them and giving people, mm-hmm. your patients the opportunity to really dive deep into like, why is my period like hemorrhaging? Like, is this normal at my age? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because, you know, Again, normal is like individual, right? Mm -hmm. Like heavy periods, light periods, three-day cycles, seven-day cycles. I will. I always say I give a PSA when I start talking about clinical things. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a clinician. I'm not a healthcare provider. This is my own, you know, education that I've received from her MD and our providers. But yes, I mean, heavy bleeding could be fibroids. It, you know, it, abnormal uterine bleeding can happen. You know, there are so many things. So if it feels off to you and heavy and, and painful, you should see your provider because it, there could be something wrong. So let's talk about um, a topic I love, which is success. So measuring success yeah. and defining success. So you're at this really exciting point in this business where you've mm-hmm. um, established your reason for being, right? Mm-hmm. You understand what it takes to run the practice and give the type of care that you want. You know who the um, the target is for your services. Mm-hmm. And you've done fundraising, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder like what the, if you're feeling this sort of seduction by the success, mm-hmm. right? Because you've been able to hit all these important milestones. I wonder mm-hmm. like, do they kind of, when you reach a goal, does it say to your brain, like, find me more goals to reach and um, <laughs> let's just not do anything except work to keep pushing to our goals? Like, how do you manage that seduction of success? That's a really great question. And, you know, if you had told me even five years ago that, you know, my sister and I, together with our team, would raise $30 million and start a healthcare company and have five locations, building more locations, I literally would have said, no way, that's crazy. And so what I'm really driven by, yes, success is, feels wonderful, right? Success for me you know, and I'll speak for myself, but I know Sumi feels very similarly, is we think about the patient every day. And, you know, we have a podcast where we talk to patients and they tell their stories. And we go to events and we were just at one in New Jersey this past weekend where there are 120, 150 or so women in the room and educated outside of a major metropolitan city. We're in, you know, middle America as well and suburbs everywhere. They're so lost and they're so desperate. They don't have education around their options. They're still being dismissed and told, you know, drink some wine and you'll be fine if they have sexual pain. Like I don't, that's not a solution, right? They have low libido. They were never told about treatment options around that. They're going through perimenopause, which symptoms can last up to 10 years. I'm experiencing them. I'm always hot now. And I was always cold. And it's not fun. But I have that education. And I know that I'm going through perimenopause. And I know I can get treatment options for it. But they, many women don't even know you can experience symptoms for up to 10 years. And so they are so grateful to, number one, be able to have the conversation and have it be shame-free and stigma-free and feel that sense of community, they really want to be able to talk about these things and, you know, around sexual health and menopause and their health. 
and they haven't been given the opportunity to do so, and let alone have access to providers to educate them, answer their questions, and give them viable treatment options and not tell them just like, grin and bear it, everyone goes through menopause, and just tell me when you haven't had your period for 12 months. Like, I don't, I'm not living a decade with <laughs> menopausal symptoms. Like, no way. That's not a way to live. Komal, I'm so glad that we met thanks to LinkedIn and that I've had yes. time to get to know you and your mission. I'm fascinated by it. I did tell you when we were together last that mm-hmm. I don't I don't have an allegiance to my gynecologist because mm-hmm. of these reasons. Like, mm-hmm. you're fine is what I hear right? You're fine. No explanation, Mm -hmm. no time taken to talk about these things. So um, what you're building is really needed. And I can imagine this being the new standard of care, really. So um, congratulations to you. I know this is a Herculean effort to move a whole system, but it's worth it and it's important. Yes, it's so worth it. And I always have to say, you know, the providers, the vast majority of them, you do not go into medicine. I've seen it. I've seen how hard the work is from our providers, from the education they have to do and the training and then the work that they're, they want to do a good job. They want to heal. They want to treat. But the problems start with the education and not being trained in some of the areas, right? And then also they're locked into those 10 minute appointments. Mm-hmm. And so we are going to change that. I firmly believe that HerMD is going to change that status quo because the status quo, we say, has never changed anything. And so we're ready to do that. Um, and we're going to do it, you know, one location at a time. And we just ask people to be patient, uh, because it does take time to to build out clinics. But our goal is to be in as many states as we possibly can and to continue to give access to this care to all of our patients. Well, thank you so much, Kamal. That wraps thank up you. our interview segment. I really appreciate your wisdom. Okay, so we're going to play a game together. This one is all about comprehensive women's health. So we thought we can play like a fun fact versus myth, a fact versus fiction game with you around menopause, um, perimenopause. And um, I know you're not um, a physician, (laughs) um, so feel free to say like, wait, that's, you know, let's ask my sister. But yes. There, is, there are so many myths out there, um, and some of these myths are passed generationally, right, mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. there is no true resource. So let's see um, if we can bust some myths. We have five scenarios right. here. You ready to play? Sure. I will do my okay. very best. <laughs> okay. So the first one is, tell me, is this um, fact or fiction? Menopause is just about experiencing hot flashes. Oh, that's categorically false. I can say that. There are over 30 documented symptoms from head to toe that can be, yes, hot flashes, of course, but joint pain, vaginal dryness, brain fog or mild cognitive decline, um, skin dryness, palpitations. Oprah wrote an op-ed that her doctors, Oprah, could not diagnose menopause for her. She had palpitations. I think it was two years. Um, She was worked up by a a cardiologist and she picked up a book that a doctor had written and she said, oh my God, I actually think it's menopause. Um, So there are a lot of documented symptoms. One of them for me has been um, from a digestive 
perspective, like the bloating mm. and like mm-hmm. just my body feeling out of control in a sense. And I had started working with a nutritionist to like really mm-hmm. like hone in on like what are the things that are working for me and what are the things that are not working for me. It's hard. Like it takes time yes. and work to figure this out. It does. Yes. And and so many often describes menopause uh, as estrogen withdrawal, essentially. And so estrogen is really good for the body. And so she she makes really good analogies. And she said, imagine you're on like six cups of coffee a day. Mm-hmm. Like that, like, yeah, you're feeling good, right? If, and then you get, when menopause happens and your estrogen levels drop, it's like you get a cup of decaf a day. Your body's going to feel it. And yes, our patients say a lot about their menopause or like their menopause <laughs> belly. And it's because... Fat cells, I've learned this from Somi as well, don't deposit themselves where they used to. So when we're younger, we get them on our breasts, butt, you know, places we want that. Um, and then as estrogen levels decline, you go through menopause, they deposit in your belly. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Number yes. two, um, factor fiction, menopause starts when your period stops. So menopause, I will say a caveat. So menopause is defined as 12 consecutive months without a period or... You can measure FSH levels, I believe that is correct, Um, because there are patients who go through cancer treatment or have hysterectomies and everything is removed and then they've had a period and then they're going through this. And so the true definition is, you know, the 12 consecutive months without a period, or if you're not having a period, you need to check those FSH levels. Um, But you can go 11 months and 20 days without a period and then you get your period and you have to start all over again. (laughs) Yes. So that is technically how menopause is defined. Okay. Number three, menopause never starts before the age of 50. Is that fact or fiction? That's fiction. It can start. I mean, again, if you had cancer treatment and you've gone through medically induced menopause, the average age, I believe is 51 years old, but um, you can experience menopause in your 40s. You can experience menopause in your mid to late 50s. Um, You can experience perimenopausal symptoms in your 30s. So it really depends. Um, It's different for everyone. I think my perimenopause symptoms started like I'm 48 now. So I think like around 38, actually. So like 10 Mm -hmm. years ago, things just started changing. Like, and Mm -hmm. um, it's been a progression of changes, but I definitely started it before 40. Yes. I mean, exactly. So it's very different for everyone. Mine started probably around 42. I would say 41. Um, I'm I'm going to be 43 soon. And I've noticed more of a rapid um, increase in some of my symptoms, for sure. And so I'm like, oh boy, 10 years, I don't know. Okay. Factor of fiction, number four, nothing can be done to manage my symptoms. I just have to deal with them. Yeah. Very big like categorically false again. There are so many treatment options. There are over-the-counter treatment options depending on your symptoms, right? For vaginal dryness or dryness of your skin, you know, loss of collagen. And there are also, you know, medical, like medicine, right? That that can treat. There's hormone replacement therapy. There are prescription medications that you can take for low libido, for vaginal dryness. And then there are also minimally invasive treatment options. There's radiofrequency microneedling and laser treatments that can help with incontinence. 
um, or sexual pain or vaginal dryness or laxity. And so there's so, so, so many treatment options. And there are non-hormonal treatment options. There's a new prescription medication that's non-hormonal for hot flashes that just came out. Oh, yeah. Um, and they did the Super Bowl ad. Yes. Yeah, I saw um, a commercial for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, this was amazing. I think they were all fiction. So thank you for setting the record yeah. straight and for playing Factor Fiction with us. Um, now we have a few minutes for fan questions, and there's quite a few of them. So let me sure. – um, Oh, this is a really fun one. Kamal, what are you reading right now? <laughs> that's really – that's a good question. Um, so I do a lot of thinking during the day. Uh, And my brain does get very tired at the end of the day. So I have an affinity, for those who know me well, for anything that's YA or teenage-esque. So I am reading The Summer I Turned Pretty. Oh, cool. Is it good? (laughs) Yes. It's very good. And I watched the the show with my daughter. She's 22. uh, And my son just started watching it with us. And he likes it as well. And so I decided I would read the books. I always like reading the books if I'm watching the show. I only wish I had started and finished the books before I watched the show, but it is good. I do like it. I do um, indulge in some young adult from time to time too, especially if there's a show I'm watching with the kids. Mm -hmm. I I think that's like a really fun process. I'm reading um, right now the memoir of Colin Jost. He's a comedian from Saturday Night Mm -hmm. Live. um, The book's called... A very punchable face. Um, And Um, I think I'll pass it to my son, who's 16 afterwards. I think he'd get a a kick out of it. It's a good one. He'd like it. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. It's it's like I was giggling on the train reading it. That's great. Yeah. I can't can't do anything too, too serious. Okay. Another question. Oh, um, Caro wants to know more about the aesthetic side of her MD. Yes. So it's a very important part of our practice. You know, as I said, we – we view it as continuity of care. And so I'm, I'm someone who struggled with PCOS my entire life. Um, and that led to infertility, but it also led to acne and something called hirsutism because of elevated testosterone levels where you have excessive hair growth. And I have, you can see the hair on my head. This is not dye, it's black. And I had black hair growth on my face. And that was really, really you know, traumatizing for me growing up. And so I got laser hair removal and it really, it sound, might sound silly to some, but it really did change my life because I was convinced when I was speaking to people, they were looking at the hair and maybe they were, maybe they weren't. Um, and so for PCOS patients who need laser hair or want laser hair removal, they don't need it um, if they want it. Or our perimenopausal or menopausal patients who complain about their menopause or skin laxity, you know, we can do filler, we can do Sculptra, which actually builds collagen. We could do M-Sculpt Neo, which is a body contouring um, device, which I actually partook in myself recently. Uh, and it was wonderful. It's like the equivalent of 11,000 sit-ups in 30 minutes or something. Um, and so, you know, we don't push it on patients and we don't tell them you need this, but 80% of our menopausal patients tell us they're concerned about their weight and their changing body. Many complain about loss of collagen. And so we want to be able to offer those services under one roof. I mean, as a patient, as a woman, as a patient, if I can do everything in one place, I barely have enough time for that one appointment. Now I have to go somewhere else. It's like, I have to make more time to do that. So it's really convenient as well. 
I love that. Kamel, this has been amazing. That's all the time we have for questions today. Um, I want to thank you. You are our 245th episode, and this is such a joy to spend time with you here today. Yes. Thank you so much. This was great. And for our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you like this episode, please rate and review. And as always, make sure you are following us on your favorite podcast platform and Instagram to stay up to date on the upcoming episodes and all the fun we have along the way. So more to come in the health theme, um, which will take us through the end of the year. Um, Thank you so much, Komal. Thank you for everyone for joining us. Thank you. Have a really great day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.